0: Uh, Hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd on the Past Chair. It's really good to see you guys. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'd love to say hi afterwards. But in the meantime, you are here in the middle, truly the middle, there's only three weeks of a series that we call Heresy. And Heresy is uh, defined technically as views that go against traditional Orthodox Christianity, essentially, right? For our purposes... I'm going to explain to you what heresy is. Heresy, I'm not going to give you a lot of theological terms. I'm not I'm not here to discuss theology. You can look it up. I'm not even going to talk about the classical heresies throughout Christianity. I'm going to talk about our definition of it. And our definition of heresy is any sort of teaching, thought or idea that changes the gospel. If it changes the gospel in any way, it's heresy. It's not the gospel. Now, see, that's a tough thing to talk about nowadays because people don't like to be told they're wrong, right? No one does. And they, what we tend to do is we want to make the gospel more palatable. And what that word essentially means is easier to swallow, easier to deal with. The less it affects me in my day-to-day life, the better. That's the truth. We all want to be comfortable, and that's not necessarily bad, but it's bad when we begin to change things that can't be changed, the gospel is not something that can be changed. It is what it is. And we are either changed by it or we reject it. That's it. That's the way it works. And so last week we talked about the idea of, uh, we called it one plus one equals three. That's good math, huh? No. We talked about the salvation equation, which is essentially anytime we try to add anything, Jesus plus something equals salvation, wrong. Wrong. No amount of good works can save you, no amount of money given, doesn't matter how good you are, that doesn't save you. It's Jesus. And if we preach anything or say anything adds to that, it's a different gospel. It's different. It's It's not the truth. And so this week, and that's what I'm very passionate about, because I tend to believe that a lot of times we're afraid of grace. So go back if you haven't got a chance to listen to that. It's on Facebook, online. Um, It's called Heresy 1 plus 1 equals 3, and go listen to that. But if you're here today, I'm going to be talking about the other side. So you have those that don't want to talk about grace, and you have legalism is what we call it, right? It's the idea that I have to do certain things to be saved and to keep my salvation. I have to do to get from God, right, after the initial Acceptance. But there's another side to that. But before we get to that, I'm very excited. I have a question. Who here likes make-believe? Who played make-believe as a kid? Nice. I did. Most of you. That's surprising. The rest of you are playing video games probably, right? Yeah, make-believe. Or who used to like it as a kid in case I got some people like, I ain't going to admit it now. Who likes it now? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. By the way, what's a video game? Boom, make-believe, gotcha. So, listen, I loved make-believe, and I'm about to tell you two embarrassing stories. Now, I played make-believe all the time with my brother and sister. I'm the oldest, and um, I have a half-sister, just in case she's watching, that's much younger, but my brother and sister, my younger brother and sister, I played make-believe all the time, and I was every character they made, so it's honed my acting. I was the, the friends they met, the villains they met, the animals they met, yes, animals, all right, And I'm going to tell you a couple that I did. I created an entire world, an entire fantasy world. Okay, I'm such a nerd. Okay, so you know how Tolkien had his world. I had a world called Dungeon World, all right? Now, it turns out that they've created this in a book series, but I came up with it first, and I can tell you that because I did it when I was about six years old. I created Dungeon World, and in Dungeon World is a hodgepodge of, like, magic and swords and all of these, and I had these elaborate places created, and, man, you can tell I'm getting excited. I can tell you all about it. Different towns, right? I even had. You don't believe I have town names, do you, Josh? Argon, that's the name of a town. Anyway, it, this place that I played up until I was, you know, 19, um, this imaginary world. And I also had an imaginary world. See, when I was the oldest and a kid, and I was always bigger than my brother and sister. They, you know, they're kind of like models, and I was like the big ogre troll, older brother. And so no one, I wasn't ever allowed to, like, wrestle with them because I was bigger. But I found a way around that because I could play Uh, pet shop with them, and I would be all the animals they could buy. Now, the store was called Johnny B's Store. I told you I was very elaborate make-believe. I created a store called Johnny B's Store. Who would like to hear the jingle? Yeah, Yeah, right? This is so embarrassing. Ready? Uh, This is the real jingle. Come on down to Johnny B's Store. We got it all for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So, here's what I would do. In order... In order, they can go buy anything they want. You've got lions and bears and dogs and panthers and all these things. My sister and brother um, could could tell you this is true. But, unfortunately, being children, they were broke. However, many times, they would have the best of luck because there would be a wrestling tournament right down the road with a sign-up sheet. And if they fought in the wrestling tournament and won, they would get money. See what I did there? So I got to wrestle and beat various people and throw them around and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end, they get to be the hero and beat me usually. And unless I didn't want to play pet shop and then they lost and didn't get any money. But this is a real story. I love make-believe. I still do. I love imagination. I love when I see kids doing that. Which, by the way, it's really sad. Don't discourage your kids make-believe in your imagination. Isn't it funny that we say video games, we want them to grow up so fast. You got a long time to grow up. Let kids be kids. Anyway. I love make believe. Now, interestingly enough, when I looked up the definition of make believe, the actual definition is the action of pretending or imagining that things are better than they really are. Man, that's interesting for me. I I didn't think that. I, I genuinely love words. I didn't know that was the technical definition. I thought it would have stopped at the action of pretending or imagining. No, it's the action of pretending or imagining that things are better than they really are. Make-believe is fun, but as we grow up, we realize that we can't play make-believe all the time. We can't. I would love to. I would love to be in Dungeon World all the time. It, things worked out for me there. But we can't all the time. Why? Because it would be irresponsible and dangerous, right? Parents, you know that. You, can make, you can't make-believe dinner on the table, can you? You can't make-believe, hmm, you know, here's some mashed potatoes, because eventually you're going to get sick. You have to eat. You can't pretend to have wings and jump off a building. All the pretending in the world is not going to stop gravity from leading to its inevitable conclusion. We don't have police officers that are going into a shootout and they just run into it with no bulletproof vest because they're pretending they're Superman, right? That doesn't doesn't work. And imagine telling a cancer patient, hey, you know what, we love you. And even though you could be dying, everything is okay, and and it's going to be fine, and we don't need to do anything. We don't even need to look at it. It's fine. That isn't love, and it isn't kind, and it isn't true. Do you understand? It's the same with the gospel that has no mention of the situation we are in as humanity. There is no point in telling you that you are special and great and good, which you are. But there is no point in telling you that if I'm not going to tell you the reality of your situation. And let me tell you, friends, that your situation on your own, no matter what you believe, is very dire. And it's very serious. And no amount of make-believe and no amount of I don't believe in that changes reality. Because eventually, much like gravity, you can jump off that, pl- hey, go jump off the building right now. Don't really do it. That's my disclaimer. But feel free and tell yourself, I don't believe it's real. Because I can't see it or taste it. Or touch it or anything else. But you're going to still what? Feel its effects. The same is true of God and the gospel. You see, there are a lot of churches And Christians, now I told you last week, you know my heart. My heart is grace. But you know why grace is so amazing? The only thing that makes grace amazing is the reality of our situation. Without it, grace is just what? What is the purpose? There are a lot of churches and Christians preaching a make-believe gospel in which there is no mention of sin or judgment or death. There's not a lot of money in that. There's no mention of the reality of our situation, no mention of death and judgment that comes from a holy God towards those who reject him. If you reject a holy God who defines what holiness is, it doesn't matter what you believe. You are the opposite. You are unholy. And a holy God cannot be in relationship with unholiness. See, it, it doesn't make sense. There's no mention of the need of repentance in coming to Christ. Just love him. Not explaining to you what loving him means. You can be a follower of Jesus without actually following him. They tell you that. Now listen, before we go on, no actual church, because we call them a cult, actually does that and actually says it that way. But at the end, just like I did last week, I'm going to put some things in a sentence that says the same thing without saying it. And you're going to realize that you've heard it before. There's no mention of rejecting our sin. There's no mention, and this is so big listen, there is no mention of the cost to follow Jesus. I would much more respect a person that said, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to follow him, than someone who says, I don't believe in that. No mention of the cost of being a disciple. This is so dangerous because just like last week, it's in a different way. But any gospel but the true gospel is a powerless gospel. And a powerless gospel can lead people to feeling safe when they are not safe. Or they are cured when they are not cured. It's a subtle twisting of the truth that highlights love. Listen to me, this is big highlights love at the expense of truth as though you can have one without the other. Without sin, there would be no need for the cross. When we take away the cost of being a disciple, when we take away the fact that we are to change, coming to Jesus doesn't say, Jesus, accept me where I'm at and allow me to stay there. Coming to Jesus says, who I've been isn't enough. I need you to be different, to be like you. When we take away that simple message or that cost, then we are creating our own version of Christianity. But it's still poison. Just tastes better. The Gospels, listen to me, are full of people. Guys, this is such a subtle, subtle thing. This isn't even the main focus, but it's so important. Do you understand that the Gospels themselves, meaning the account of Jesus, are filled with people that recognize Jesus as a teacher, but rejected him as Lord. That's not the choice he gives you. There are some of you in this room that still to this day are playing the game of Christianity, and you've even fooled me because you think it's about, eh, it's good advice from a good teacher instead of commands from my Lord. It's the difference between advice and commands. Ask yourself this. When you think about the way you're supposed to live and not to live, is it just things that you should do or things that you must do? You ready for me to mess with you? How about money? That's a big one. Right? Don't tell me where to put my money. Mm. Serving, marriage, sex, it goes on and on. These are just things I should do. See, there's a difference between a follower who's following and sometimes stumbles and a person who says they're following but never actually moves. I see it in our church. Maybe I should say that. Sometimes I feel like when I preach in our church, they always think, you guys think I'm preaching to the guests. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. See, some of you in this room I know for a fact, that's you. You think you're safe and it scares me. Because you have a powerless grace. Did you know that exists? Because you're just painting rebellion with grace. You can't change the definition of the word. God defined it. Put bluntly, guys, we have two issues in make-believe heresy. Two issues with similar roots. Here's one. One, we have a faith that doesn't talk about sin. That's out there, right? We talked about the people that are preaching that not it it's about your actions, and that's wrong. And that's where I tend to preach because, boy, those, they, they get me going, right? Because they make true Christians in this room live in fear. We're going to get to, you, you are free. You are free, but we have to make sure that you've been set free before you can rest in grace. Do you understand? So today I'm talking to people that you, you, we should all ask ourselves, have I really been set free? And there's ways to know that. But as I said, there are people that, that preach a faith that doesn't talk about sin. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you right now. I shouldn't tell you this. Sorry, this thing driving me crazy once again. Um, there's not a lot of money in talking about sin. I'm serious. You don't fill rooms typically talking about sin and judgment. You don't. You want to know something creepy? I'm going to say it and it's going to sound arrogant, but I mean it. And I've talked to them about it. You don't think, I've never given, I never will, but you don't think I've had the thought that if I just tell you guys you're awesome all the time and how special you are and give you a pump up, feel good, self esteem speech that you're going to invite your friends and your friends are going to come and we're going to have 5,000 people and then guess how I start to justify Once I have the 5,000, I can slip in the truth. That's how it starts. Why is it that you'll invite your friends when it's a feel good message, but you don't want to invite your friends when it's the truth? about their eternity. Number two, so we have a faith that doesn't talk about sin, and two, we have a faith that doesn't call for actual disciples. Remember I told you earlier that you can have a teacher, you can view Jesus as teacher or Lord. Who here knows that in the Bible Jesus uses the word disciple a lot? Raise your hand. If you don't, that's okay. Disciple essentially means it's not what you think. It's not believing in him. (laughs) That's not it, right? That was the point of Jesus saying, that's cool, you believe. Or they, they said, you believe. The, uh, the demons believe that. They believe in Jesus. A disciple follows. And in Jewish culture, you did everything your, Masa, your, uh, your, um, your rabbi did. So if, literally to the point, if he washed his hands five times, you washed your hands five times. Okay, if you walked in three circles before you went to the bathroom like a dog for some reason, right, you would do that. Because that's what he did. You're mimicking his life. That is what it means when Jesus said, you are to be my disciples. So, those are the issues. I got a lot of scripture. Stay with me today. Okay? You can write it down and it will be on the screen. I'm going to make a point. And then we'll talk about how these slip into our faith. Deal? Remember those two issues. Number one, I want to talk about, so we're going to look at Romans. P.S. before I start. Now listen. Christians, I know you. Some of these verses, actually, a lot of non-Christians in the room. If you're a non-Christian or watching, you you know these verses. You learned them when we used to go to like that one time you we went to Sunday school. It's good that you learned it, but sometimes you can learn things but not know it. So hear this today. Really hear what it's saying. Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's fairly s- simple, right? For all. Who do you think all is? I know, I'm so sarcastic. It's everyone. Everyone. Rich, poor, you know, women, woman, man. Uh, it doesn't matter. Everyone, popular, unpopular, religious, non-religious. I use the word religion, right? Period. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, well, why is that a big deal? Ready? Some of you, stay with me, I'm telling you. Romans 6.23 this is why it's a big deal. For the wages of sin is death. That second part we'll get to. Eh, we can read, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, that's good, right? That is good. That's good news. But that first sentence we sort of skip over it, don't we? We want to get to the good part. The good part is the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, but that first part matters. For the wages of sin is death. I've always, I said this last week. I absolutely love this. You know, God gives us the gift of eternal life, but we earn death. He doesn't give us what we earn, what we deserve. So, what did I just say? Well, i sin sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means what? Everyone in this room on their own merit, you have sinned. I'm a pretty good person compared to who? Me? That's easy. Compared to Jesus, God? No, you're not. And that's the standard. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why is that important? Because you have earned death. I don't believe that. Okay. Remember the jump off a building thing? you need to suspend what you believe for a second and the effect that has on reality. So we move on. Ephesians 2.1 tells us what? Man, so the wages of sin is death and what? You were dead in your trespasses and in sin. Now, let me tell you why this is serious before we go on. If you had an incurable disease, some of you, if you had COVID right now, and I said, you have COVID, you're taking that real serious. You've seen the pictures, you've seen all, you're taking it real serious, but somehow when someone says you're dead, Right now, because of something inside of you that you can't see. You don't take that as serious. You need to. If I said right now you have COVID, you're going to be panicking, some of you. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Right now you are sinful and dead. You just don't know it yet. Okay, so what First 1 John 8 1, let Let's continue this line of thinking. First 1 John 1, eight says, If we say we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Ooh. Well, who says that, Todd? No one does. Yes, they do when we don't talk about sin. Now, I'm not saying worship sin. When we don't tell an unbeliever, and if you're in the room and you don't believe in Jesus, that's not an insult. You are an unbeliever by definition. You don't believe. I ain't right? mad at you. That's reality. So you tell them, right? Right? that you don't mention sin. See, sometimes what we try to do is we try to sell Jesus as life enhancement. I'm serious, right? And so what happens is if I preach to you, Jesus says, if you accept Jesus, you'll be happy and you'll find true love and you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy and things will be great. And if, you know, if you're really sad, you're going to say, yes, yes. But what happens when you're not sad anymore? Or what happens if you're not sad? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a CEO of a company. i got a good wife. i got a good family. I drive a BMW. All those things are great. You don't need a Savior because no one's told you your need. They've attached it to your happiness. That's why when people start to feel better, you guys know those people, right? They're really on fire for their faith when things are bad, and as soon as it gets better, they throw it aside. It's because they're believing a gospel of life enhancement. Not life-saving. That changes things. Guys, the gospel, Jesus is, in fact, this is what I love about him. If you you were in this room and you really never did the church thing, I didn't either, and this is what blew my mind. You have been told some things, and you're kind of like, you think it's stupid. I get it, and I get why, because they're not talking to you about the Jesus of the Bible, because here's the thing that Jesus does. Jesus doesn't tell us that. He actually says the opposite. He actually says you need to count the cost before you follow me because, listen, things are not going to get easier. They're going to get harder many, many times, but they're better. See, sometimes we equate ease with better, and that's not true, right? It's easier for me to sit on the couch and eat boxes of bonbons and donuts and lemon pies because I like lemon pies, right? And jars of peanut butter, which I could do because I love peanut butter. That is easier for me, but long term and for my belly, that is not good. That is not better. Some of you have been sold, and that's why you have no change. You think this is dumb. You don't get it because you've been told... And it's also why you get some of you get so discouraged and walk away, because you're like, "I thought Jesus said things would be easy." I thought Jesus said that it would be make my life better all the time in the way that I want, which is what we're humans. Is it easier? Does it minimize my pain? Does it maximize my pleasure? Does it increase my money? Does it make my marriage better? Does it get me that girl, that guy? Isn't that funny, by the way, Christian girls? Particularly you. You know guys will come that aren't Christians, and they want to date and marry you. Isn't that funny? Because you're good people, right? But they don't really want Jesus. They just want what he, he brings, he offers in the short term. Everybody wants the healing, but they don't want the cross. You can't have one without the other. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever who loses their life for my sake will gain it. Sounds like a riddle, but it's not. You've got to understand that what we've been told that we want and what we told life is, is it's a mirage, man. That's why we, if, if you're in the room and you don't believe, that's why you're up and down all the time. Because you're looking for that next thing to make you happy. And if you have that, you'll be happy, right? But you're not, because you're here. And there's at least part of you saying there's more to this. The reality of our situation with just these verses is so important. We cannot play make-believe. It's this. We are sinful. And because we are sinful, we are separated from God. And because we are separated from God, that means we will eternally be separated from God, which means what? We are dead. We're dead. You're zombies. It's not love to ignore the facts in order to make-believe and make people comfortable. That is not love. But here's the thing about this twisting of the truth, this heresy, for using our definition, is that we can literally lie to ourselves, including me, and say, well, that is love. I want to make them feel good about themselves. We've been raised in that culture. Everybody gets that participation trophy. You guys are good and great, and we've got to make sure your self-esteem is built up. What does your self-esteem build on? Self-esteem. I would rather be esteemed by a holy God. I'm not very trustworthy. <laughs> I don't think very highly of myself very often, and when I do, it's for the wrong things. You ever notice that? It is not love to ignore the facts in order to make believe and make people comfortable. If your friend was about to drive off of a cliff, husband, wife, kid, whatever, pick a person you like. Some of you got like your dog. Some of you just like your dog. Fine, your dog's driving. All right, it's going off a cliff. Is it loving to go, enjoy the ride? Yeah, keep going straight. Just really hit the pedal to the metal. That's a nice car. You're a good driver. No, that's not loving. Right? If your friend has a deadly disease, is it loving, and you knew it, is it loving to be like, you're fine. You're fine. You know what's even more messed up is you have the cure. You know the cure. That's even worse. They have a deadly disease. You know the cure, and you don't even tell them about a disease so they can get the cure. What if your friend had a bullet in their chest? And they're bleeding out and you're like, hey, you're fine. That's a, you look good. That bullet, it actually accentuates your chest. You know, red's, red's in color right now, right? No, would that be love? No. You'd be like, we got to get this bullet out. You're going to die, right? We've got to do something. Even if they're, what if they're going, I'm fine. I enjoy bullets in my chest, it doesn't matter. Some of you in this room are probably mean people. But I, and Some of you, I know. <laughs> what I, would, I literally still wouldn't go. I wouldn't go, okay, man, I guess I'll go home. Right? No, I'm going to like grabbing you and dragging you to the hospital or knocking you out or doing anything I can. Well, I'm going to knock him out so I can heal him. Anyway, she's like, cut that. All right, edit that. Anyway, I'm trying, I'm trying to get you cured. I don't care about your comfort. I don't care about your broken nose if I know it's going to save your life. Guys, no, that's not love. You would tell them the truth in every situation. Listen, you ready for this? That doesn't, we've got to forget. We've got to change our viewpoint. Do you know why I'm so passionate about God's grace? Because I know the situation. And the situation, people are like, well, that's not a loving God. Are you kidding me? God's grace and love is not minimized by our sin and our situation, but is shown to be all that more amazing. <laughs> I am a traitor. I have betrayed him. I still do. I disobey him when he tells me good. And before you say, well, that's uh, you're gonna have kids, and if you don't, right, and your kid, diso- you, some of you get mad if your kid like eats one bite of a cookie without telling you. Imagine something much bigger. Every day we spit. I spit in his face, and he still calls me son. That's incredible. No one can take that away from me. But it's only because I accepted the reality of the situation. I let him heal me, fix me. First thing, number two, I want to give on some verses here. Uh, Matthew 16, 24. All right, I'll connect all this. Stay with me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pretty plain. What does that mean? Deny himself. We're like, What does that mean? What does it mean not to eat ice cream? I don't know. It means this. You, your desires are no longer number one in life. Because the reality is on this side of heaven, we're still going to desire things in our flesh. That's that old parts of us or the one that wants me to like, when a guy's arrogant, I want to punch him, right? Or like you get upset and you are, you you know, you get that temptation to do something um, deceitful at work. Or you see that good looking guy or that handsome girl, but you got your wife at home, but they're not here right now, right? Your spouse is here right now. All those things, it's denying what feels natural because you know who you really are and what you really are as God continues the process of turning you into that. For some reason, I've always viewed it in my head. I've had this picture. Maybe this will help some of you. It'll help me. It's like I have had years, even from birth, of caked mud. Have you ever seen someone caked in mud? Except it's so much it's like stone. Years of that. Imagine that, 20. You know, in my case, 21 years. Right? (laughs) Right? 21 years of that. I'm just kidding. I'm 22. So, just kidding again. Uh, right? And they start to, and God says, you're mine. And you have, to, you have to accept that you're caked and that you are living the way you're not. And i got to get that stuff off you. And I say, okay, God, in the rest of my life, he's chipping that away. And more and more of the real me is coming out. That's what it is. That real me is still in there, but I sometimes move weird. And I smell funny because the mud, right? And all that kind of stuff. When I said the smell things, some people were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I smell good. I don't know what you're talking about. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Oh, man. What if this wasn't poetic? What if it wasn't just symbolism? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Huh. Always reminds me of the end of the story, doesn't it? When God says, says, I will wipe away your tears, then we no more crying, pain or death anymore, for behold, the old things have passed away, and look, the new has come. Isn't that funny? It's in the, he's in the process of making things new, better, what they were supposed to be. But I want to focus on if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, old things have passed away. There's an the implication here that when we come to know Christ truly, the Christ of the Bible, Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, that there is a change that happens. Is it Perfection. Nope. All you got to do is read the Bible to see that. Okay? But that lack of perfection doesn't mean there isn't a change. There is some change. Romans 6, 1 through 4. So Paul, you know, he talks about grace. Romans says it in that. Kids that knock their shoes really loudly in the front row. Yeah. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin, sin still live in it? Or are, we, are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. The reason I love this section, I love the book of Romans is, Paul had to continually tell people, the book of Romans is filled with the fact that, listen, your religion's not saving you. You have got to put your faith in Jesus. You have to understand that it is grace in him that saves you, right? And even then, it happens to me today, it happens to us, that people started saying, so you're saying we can do whatever we want. We can sin all we want because that's what they want to say when you you talk about grace. It happens to me, right? I take grace too far. I tell you guys that sin isn't real because I tell you that you're freed. (laughs) That's silly. I'm not mad. Anyway, Paul had the same issue. They would say to him, you know, he's responding to accusations. He's saying, you're saying that I'm saying you should sin more? No, because don't you understand that when you died, when you were baptized, that old you was dead. Why would you continue to live in a way that you used to live when you were dead? A new way of life. No, we have to look at things backwards. We don't act different to be different. We act different because we are different. James, and this is funny because I told you guys last week how this gets twisted. Remember I told you? Faith without works is dead. And so the other side uses that all the time, the legalistic side. And what they're trying to do is imply that that means if you don't do all the good works all the time, you're not saved. Wrong, and I'm giving you context. The real context still points to their point, but, points to their point, (laughs) makes their point, but fills it out. The book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Works are the good your actions. Can his faith save him? So pause real quick. Stay right there. Right? So we're going, well, yeah, I thought you just said last week, Todd, that faith is what saves you, not our works. That's true. Stay with me. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. Essentially, guys, what it's saying is is that when you follow Jesus, you're going to be different. When you come to a true salvation in Jesus, you're going to be different. You're, You're going to have actions and that's going to show your faith. You ready? I know you love the apple tree illustration. One of the ways we know that an apple tree is an apple is that it grows apples. One of the ways that we know a Christian is a Christian is because they do things like Jesus. They have fruit that is different than those that don't. True discipleship, and that's what, let me go back to That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you can tell someone, you see someone starving to death, and you're like, hey, God bless you. I hope you find some food. I really do love you. And then walk away. That's not love. He's saying if you do that without giving them food, that's nothing. Real love shows itself in what? I'm going to do something to enter into this, to, to meet that need. It's the same way. I can say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't follow him. I don't change. Nothing is different. Well, so what? I can say I'm a leprechaun, right? But I don't have a pot of gold. See, that was good. That just came to me. It's not even in my notes. Anyway. Listen, guys, so what's my point with these verses? A couple things. True discipleship involves following Jesus. Following, I know, Todd. No, you don't. We are not following if we're going a completely different direction. Or we stop completely. Detours are different. All right. So I need a, I need a volunteer. Uh man. No, okay, f- No, man, it's always the same people. Josh, you can come up here. You haven't volunteered in a while. Come up, give Josh a hand. Woo! Handsome, tall guy. Hey, you got to at least pretend to be happy when you come up on the camera. That's better. Good to see you, man. You? All right, so good, how are you? I'll give you a hug. Yeah, this is really what we do. So here's the deal. I want to show you how ridiculous this is. I can say, hey, buddy, hey. I'm going to follow you wherever you go, okay. all, right? all right? So walk around the stage, and I'm gonna I'm going to follow you wherever you go, okay. all right? So far, so good. Am I doing what I said I'm doing? I'm gonna do whatever you do. You can do a couple things. Okay. Don't take your pants off or anything, but yeah. P90X, all right, good. Now let's come up again, right? I've shown myself, I'm gonna follow him. Now, you ready? Hey man, I'm gonna follow you. Okay. Lead the way. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm following. I'm, I'm not even on the camera. Oh, you following me? Good. Yeah. You see what I mean? Right? He says, all right, do something. I'm gonna do whatever you do. I really believe that your way is the right way. I don't feel like doing that right now. (laughs) Right? Give him a hand. Thanks, man. Thank you. I want to make a point. That was silly, but here's the thing. That happens all the time. Now I could have made him stay and I should have. I forgot one more, and now I'm not gonna make you come back up. But if Josh says to follow him. And he just did it naturally. I appreciate that. He started falling. When he noticed I wasn't falling, he stopped and looked back. Beautiful picture of Jesus. You didn't even know, right? He hasn't changed in his direction, but he's still going. Why? Because the expectation is even if I'm moving a little slow, even if I have to tie my shoe, I'm still following. That's different than this, right? And he even said it, dude, that was so good. We didn't even plan that. He said, you're going the wrong way. Someone us truth following when that happens, because it could happen, right? I'm going to go this way, and you stop and say, no, you're going the wrong way. And I say, oh, okay, I trust you. People say they follow Jesus all the time. Is it shown in the way you live your life? Not by your perfection, but by what you do when you stumble. Do you get back up and continue to follow, or do you give up? you walk away do you let the world tell you that because you stumbled and fall fell or because you had to tie your shoe or because you went in that thicket or because you sinned that he doesn't want you anymore and then their voice becomes louder than his it doesn't matter the reason you have to follow he can say this is the right way oh i trust you i trust you until what i don't like going in that corner it's scary i don't want to do jumping jacks they're hard I don't want to clap. I don't like those people. So then what? No, you do what I do, Jesus. Make this sick puppet, right, of Jesus that does whatever I want. That's weird, isn't it? My Jesus. It's a, it's a joke with a clo- someone close to me, but I used to say it all the time, and I know their meaning behind it, but it bothered me. My Jesus wouldn't do that. Well, what Jesus are we talking about? There's only one. Discipleship involves change. You have to change. How do I know that? Because you don't naturally do what Jesus does. Discipleship means following him and doing what he does. It involves doing things we don't want to do and not doing things we do want to do, depending on what he says. Guys, sometimes no matter how much you love your wife, you want to look at that pretty girl wearing that stuff at the gym. Well, you already know that Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her, pretty much saying the only thing stopping you is opportunity. And so what did Jesus, you know, right there, right there, you want to do it. Now, we're not talking about the times you mess up. Do you even notice anymore? Guys, listen, some of you, it's, you're not even aware that you're not truly followers because you follow this life enhancement Jesus. And so you're like, oh, I follow Jesus. No, you follow this puppet that somebody's holding and leading you on. Does it even cross your mind? Do you want to be different? Do you want to be better? It's a mystery, isn't it? This this striving to be like Jesus but resting in the fact that we're going to fail and it's okay. Okay. But just because we rest in the fact that it's okay and he loves us doesn't stop us from striving, not true followers. It takes effort. That's why he uses words like, hey, you got to take up your cross. That's a 200-pound cross. you got to crucify your flesh. you got to kill it. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. If it's not hard, listen to me. Something's wrong. Either you're not following Jesus, or there's sometimes you're an apple tree, but you haven't been getting watered, you haven't getting no sunlight, so you're just comfortable dying, right? You're not putting out any fruit because you've just accepted where you are, in the shadows with no water. Number three, I'm doing numbers all the time. Listen, it involves a change we don't want to do, not doing things we want to do. It involves a faith that's demonstrated in actions. I'm going to leave you with this again. I want you guys to remember: an apple tree grows apples. A Christian does good works not to be saved because they're saved. You love other people not to be saved, but because you are saved. You look out for the poor. You humble yourself. You serve. Why? Because your Lord did it. There will come a time, if you're not following the true Jesus of the Bible, and I've seen it in our church. And our church, man, I think we do a decent job. I'm proud of our church and meeting people where they're at. And, they, and a lot of people get excited about that. They're like, man, I feel loved. And like they're talking grace and that's great. And then there's this moment when they realize that that guy up there is not just going to tell me what I want to hear, right? Like it all sounds good. And they're going to tell me about this thing called sin. And sometimes they're actually going to call me out. Like they're going to say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Whoa, 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 I don't like that. there's going to come a time if you're not following Jesus of the Bible, and it might be many times because you're probably in the pattern of life enhancement that you're going to walk away. You're going to say, nah, this isn't for me. Or you're going to go find a teacher that can give you a message for your itching ears. You ever heard that verse? Guys, at the end of the day, following Jesus... This, this thing that he does inside of us is called sanctification in the Bible. He, do you know when he changes us, it doesn't happen all at once. We become holy inside, but the outside takes a little bit to catch up. Remember the caked mud? And so that process, first of all, it said he'll never, he's not going to let us go. We can squirm, we can run, he's going to finish the good work he started if you have put your true faith in him, and that's the beauty of it. But it's not always comfortable, because it's not about your comfort, it's about your holiness, And I wish I could tell you that those always went together. They don't. Sometimes I want to be like, Lord, can't you just leave me alone for a little while? Right? But I don't really want that. What I really mean is, can't you just let me do what I want to do today? It's not about your comfort. It's about your holiness. So, guys, I want to try to go fast before Corey yells at me. I got a few more minutes. so he doesn't yell, he just subtly does it with a look of shame and disgust. I'm just kidding, I love him. So <laughs> I got a little smile out of him. I'm going to tell you quotes. I want to talk about some things. I'm going to say, these are examples of plain make-believe Okay, in our modern culture. Number one, God is love and my God will never judge people. This happens all the time. Believe it or not, people say that. My God is not a God of judgment. He, he is not a God of judgment. Yes, he is. He is a god of judgment. No, if you're with him, you're good. He'll say he never let go of him. But it's either it's listen. The beauty about Christianity is like some of these other religions. Sort of in the it's black or white. You can pick. You're with him or you're against him. If you're against him, you get judged. Well, I don't believe in that. That's fine. When he shows up, you will. God is love. They always start with that. And my God will never judge people. He'll never judge you. He's okay with what you do. Even if it goes exactly, specifically against things he specifically said in the Bible. Number two, don't worry about your sin. God has already forgiven you. Now this one's very subtle. I would tell you don't live in fear of making mistakes. But the reality is, is that, you know, your sinful actions we know are serious. And we also know, here's the beauty of it. You know God tells you to do stuff. God only tells you to do and not do things that are good for you. Like if he tells you not to do something, it's because he loves you and it leads to bad things. Same with doing things. Do this. It's good for you. So we know that sin does matter. That God wouldn't tell us how to live if we didn't need constant reminders of what to do and not to do don't worry about your sin. God's already forgiving you. I've had that happen to me. Someone was in trying to encourage me, and they're like, don't worry about it. There's no condemnation in Christ. I'm like, that's a beautiful thing. But, like, condemnation and conviction are different. I'm feeling convicted. I need to change my life. Hey, you're not condemned. And then, right, the subtle thing's like, oh, so this feeling I have to change is not conviction. It's condemnation. I should never feel bad about what I do. no. If you ever want to know the difference, I've said it before, but in case you never visit again, condemnation pushes you farther from God, conviction draws you closer. That's the difference. Number three, God loves me right where I am, and he's fine with me staying where I am. This happens a lot. You ready for me to be controversial? That's what I do. So either way, I talk, let's talk about the big one of the times, homosexuality, if you're in this room. Okay, so homosexuality is a big one. Um. We get asked that on Real Talk. What's your church's stance on LGBTQ? I, don't, I genuinely don't know. I'm not making fun of it. LGBTQ, right? Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, the letters. This is the way I always feel about this, and I've said this many, many times. If a practicing homosexual comes in here, if you're in this room right now today, listen, I'm not worried about that right now. The only way I'm really worried about it is if you call yourself a safe a Christian. Okay, if you're not and you're in this room, I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. To, I don't. I don't care because you got a bigger issue right now. Your bigger issue is you don't know who Jesus is and so you have sin inside of you that no matter how much you clean the outside of, doesn't matter. Because the truth is, even if they cleaned that homosexuality up, meaning they didn't live out of that, but they're still prideful, hateful, right? All of the things that we know leads to death, sin, they're still going to die. That's the issue. Now think about it. Well, Todd, what do you mean? I don't pull everyone I tell the gospel to and tell them to tell me every single sin that they ever do and they don't ever want to do that again. That's crazy. So why would I say, first, tell me you renounce it? Renounce your homosexuality in front of me. That's not the issue. It's sin in general. Do you understand the gospel? We'll get to that. Do you see how I make both sides mad, by the way? I'll get there in a second. However, if you're in this room and you become a Christian or you you say you're Christian or you say God's okay with that, then I will say this to you. So I'm allowed to sleep with, if I'm married, as many women as I want, anytime I want. Well, no, Todd, that's adultery. Sure. And that's listed in the same list, along with sexual morality, homosexuality, and all the other sexual immoralities that are outside of the way God intended sex. If I have to, I'm not married yet, if I have to, and I'm not supposed to have sex, I'm supposed to fight that, who are you to tell me that you're not supposed to fight your lust just because it's for same sex? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's still lust. So just like you, if there's a practice of homosexual, if I never get married, I'm never going to get to have sex with anyone. So just because you're homosexual doesn't mean it's the same thing. You have to follow the same rules. You want to have sex? Get married to a woman, if you're a guy, vice versa. Girl, you know what I mean. But I'm not worried about it, and I'm not condemning them, but they don't stay around long enough to hear that. Because the truth is, my selfishness and my hate and all the things I have inside, my lust... It's no different. And that's unfortunate. Because I do think that, you know, when we tell people that they can come to Christ and never change, it doesn't matter the sin. See, we pick homosexuality because it seems so hateful. Because there are Christians that are hateful about it, aren't there? Absolutely. They want to literally hate people for that. And that's wrong. And that's not the heart of God. And I truly believe God's not going to start with that. Go look at what he did to the Samaritan woman. He didn't start by pointing out how many times she was married, did he? No, he started out having a conversation and talking to her about a lot of different things. Who do you say the Messiah is? What do you believe? And then he had to come to that point where she was shamed and condemned. It's the same thing. Number four goes along with it. God made you exactly how you are. Anyone that tells you to change is just trying to shame you. Man. No, maybe they're trying to help you. If you've got a knife in your leg, yeah, it might be embarrassing, but like, hey man, you got blood going down your leg, but at the end of the day, that's a good thing. We're trying to help you. You see how that minimizes sin again? It doesn't talk about a cost or a discipleship. Do you see that for real? Do you see that? How that subtle thing happens? I'll say it again. God made you exactly how you are. It's fine. See, that's true, isn't it? He knew what you're going to do. That's where the subtle thing comes in. Anyone that tells you to change, now here's the lie, that you need to change something, they're just trying to shame you. Truth mixed with lie. That's how it works. Go watch how the devil did it, right? See how the serpent did it in the garden. It's very subtle. Certainly God didn't say that. Number five, God always wants you to do what makes you happy. Happy is so transient. It means it just comes and goes. I want joy. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is above it. Right? I want a joy that's like, man, it doesn't matter. Have you ever met people like that? I have. I'm not very joyful. I'll be honest. I'm not. Circumstance, I get so stinking frustrated. And there's people, though, that you meet, and they're just like, ah, and they're happy. I don't mean, I'm not mocking them. Like, it's a beautiful thing. I'm like, you, both your legs are broken. And you, your car just burnt down yesterday, and a rock fell on your head. How are you not angry? And they're like, God loves me. And I'm like, some of you in this church are like that. And I'm like, man, it makes me walk away and go, what is wrong with me? Right? <laughs> I don't want to be happy. I want to be joyful. Bad things can make you happy. You know, if you snort a line of cocaine, you're going to be real happy for a minute, assuming you don't die right away. But you're going to be real happy. Right? You are. You're going to be, woo, I bet that. How do you think they get addicted? They don't take it and go, I'm shed. That's not what happens. Right? You take it because it makes you happy. Bad, right? That's the same thing with a lot of the things we do. Sex, it doesn't matter who it's with in a moment, makes you happy. They don't tell you about all the stuff that comes after. The pieces you leave of yourself, right? Number six, God cares, about you, uh, God cares about you being sexually, now stay with me, this one's a little tricky. God cares about you need to be sexually pure and have no alcohol and no worldliness. Now you, don't you cut your hair and don't you do this stuff, you hear me? But hey, don't worry about your pride and your hate and your hidden sin, that's fine. As long as you're giving your, your offering and your tithe, and you can be mean to whoever you want, but are you wearing a suit while you do it? Now, this one's subtle, right? But it's talking about that stuff that's not so easily seen. We, you know, we, that's also a twist. Of, that's the same kind of twisted gospel. Listen, some things are okay, some aren't. No. <laughs> no. What do you think the Pharisees did? Again, they would be awesome people to us. In case you don't know what the Bible is, those are just the, the religious folk who Jesus kind of stood against because they thought that they were better than everyone else. They lo- and they were. We would all go, man, look at those pastors. They are awesome. Number seven. If you don't know what this is, I'm going to explain to you the reference. Love Wins. There's a book called Love Wins. It's a heartbreaking story. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name. You remember? Rob Bell. Rob Bell had a huge church, Marshall Church in Michigan. And I'll say it right now. Uh, I actually used to use his videos to teach youth. I worked with youth for a long time. They're called NUMA videos. Ever heard of them? NUMA Pretty cool, pretty powerful. Little Bible lessons in like visual. They were hip and cool. And then all of a sudden he decided to say, come out and say that hell does not exist. And his whole premise is love wins because a loving God would never condemn anyone. And this guy had a, I'm, I'm talking, he was one of these mega, mega church pastors. He was a big deal. If you Google him, you're going to see Rob Bell's a big deal. And so he went from that walked away from his church that he planted. Now he goes around and he's saying, "Oh, I'm talking about the real God." Now it's even getting more and more twisted if you read about his his teachings. But it's all covered in love. So Oprah has him on her television show and loves talking to him because it's all about love. Who cares if you're dying? I just want to tell you that you're loved while you die. Grace is not grace. It's not real until you understand the situation. You don't appreciate a parachute until you're falling out of a plane. Not really. So she's going to come play some music, and uh, that's it, guys, for today. Now, here's the beautiful thing. I'll get to it in a second. Now, if you're here last week, go listen to that one. Because some of you, there's always people on both sides. My heart is last week. That's where I like to be. I like to be in that place that talks about, because a lot of you believers in here, this isn't you. You actually struggle with being shamed all the time and feeling like you've fallen away and God doesn't love you anymore and that when you mess up, he hates you. And you need to go remember last week's because once he's got a hold of you, he'll never let go. He says that himself. I will never let go of one of these you've given to me. That's what Jesus said. But here's the thing. Some of you in this room, I have to tell you the truth and I know there are some in this room. Guys, this is one of those times I know. I know it. Some of you in this room have been playing make-believe. You've you've heard a gospel that says there's no problem. And that's why you get frustrated sometimes. Why am I not different naturally? It's because you don't have that Holy Spirit. You never really met the Jesus of the Bible, the one who actually says, get up and walk and be healed and all those things, and it happens. Some smooth-talking guy or girl with, Pearly white teeth told you, "Hey, you're okay, wherever you at. Just say the name Jesus. That's all that matters." Have you justified your sin by claiming God's love? If you're honest, this is the big one. If you've, this is if you're in the room right now. This not you that aren't Christians, okay? I'll, I'll get to you in a second. Those in the room that claim to be, this is so important. I'm talking to you today. Was there ever a change in your life? Was there ever a moment that you can look back to and you can say, you know what? I'm different now than before I met Jesus. Not, not even in your actions, in your heart. Is something changed? Because guys, I still do a lot of the things I did before I knew Jesus, but you know what's different? Inside, it doesn't feel right anymore. It's, it's different. I can't go back. I've tried, and every time I do, I'm miserable. But if you don't have that, it's not about me shaming you. It's not about me, uh, I don't know, trying to make an example of you. It's about me telling you the truth that, bottom line, you got a knife in your leg, you got a bullet in your chest, you got a disease, and no amount of make believe is going to change that. Do you have convictions? You know, those moments where you say something's not right. This is one of those personal things. That's why I, don't, I want to be very careful because it's not about your actions to me right now because Christians still sin. It's about that heart. This isn't about anyone else in the room, but you, you, you. Is there conviction? Is there when you do that, do you feel the pulling of God saying no or yes? Do you? Because if you don't, there's a problem. Does your life show evidence of apples? <laughs> it works do you love people do you desire to do you serve or do you change the gospel to fit your narrative what you want it to say I always know because instead of saying what the bible says a lot of times you tell me what your church did <laughs> my church did this and they had 6,000 people so they did it right follow jesus not are you perfect i'm not asking if you don't stumble i'm not asking if you if you don't make mistakes and don't sin or don't have addictions and things you're battling i'm saying are you really trying the only person who can answer it's you i will never speak for you you in the room today this time is you and god it's not about me it's you and god because there will come a time where what you believe doesn't matter and you're going to be shown and faced with reality but here's the good news You really ready for the good news? The good news is that even though all of that's true, that we are dead in our sin, that we have, um, you know, that we have a disease, all those things, here is where God is so incredible. Is that God says, I have made a way to cure you. I have made a way to heal you. I have a made a way I have made a way to change you, to help you change and grow and become what you need to be. I have given you a way when you had no way. When you couldn't come up to me, I came down to you. That's the gospel. We rejected God. We've lived thousands of years looking like in your short life, you can see it. If you don't know him, you know what I'm talking about. Why are you miserable? Why are you depressed? Why are you suicidal? Why are you all those things? Many, many times. Not that if you're Christian, you will struggle with that at times. But I'm saying all the time, you know who you are. Why do you look for thing to thing to thing to make you feel better if there isn't a problem that's deeper? Because the truth is God made everything, he made us to live in it perfect. And it was perfect. And he said, you get to just live life and enjoy it and do do what you want, except let me be the one to tell you what right and wrong and good and evil is. That's it. Obey me in that. That's what the tree was. Because they already knew what good was. You ever thought of that? And God said it was good. The only thing they didn't know was evil. God was protecting them from evil. And we said, no, I want to know what that is. And so that's what's happened. And we see what's happening throughout history. Look in our country today when a world, when a people and the creation turns from the creator and tries to fix themselves. We're not fixed. We just keep hurting each other, hurting ourselves. So what happened was because we were unholy, sin entered us. We were no longer clean. We were disobedient. We could not be with God, right? Take a pure white snowball and a mud ball. If I touch them together, the snowball, the white, the purity is not pure anymore. God cannot be in relationship with you unless you are pure and holy. He can't, it's irrational And so We are rejected, he gives us what we want You don't want me, fine And I'm going to fix all these outward things I'm going to take a cough drop when I have a cough But I'm not really dealing with the flu We've tried to save ourselves and we just never can And God had to make a point Hey, I got ten things for you to do Can you do these ten things even? And every day we break them That was the point of Jesus saying that all the things he said. So what happened was God came down. He had a plan. Jesus Jesus of Nazareth, he existed. And Jesus told us the good news. He told us that I still love you. I, God, still love you and if you will follow me if you will turn away from the decision you made before if you will reject sin if you'll say god i know i'm not perfect my way is not the right way i'm sorry i will follow you then i will save you i will pay your price and i will change you from the inside out and that's what happened on the cross jesus of nazareth died on the cross he was raised on the third day facts and here's the beauty you don't have to fix yourself first you don't you just have to admit there's a problem he'll handle the rest The Bible says this, listen to me, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I don't want you walking away thinking you have to do all the perfect things to be saved because that's not my point today. My point is, can you admit that there's a problem? Because the Bible says if you confess with your lips, in the book of Romans, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Today, today. And no one can take it from you. You know why? Because Jesus said, I will never let you go. Even when you stumble, even when you fall, even when you sin, at that point, he will never let you go. That's why grace is so beautiful. So there's going to be people up here in the dark, ready to pray for you. It's going to seem weird. I was in the crowd. I was you. You have an opportunity today if you don't know Jesus. It doesn't matter who you're with because at the end of the day, they aren't going to be there when you stand before the throne. It's you. Today's an opportunity. This divine appointment is a day for you to leave in life different than you came in they're ready to pray with you you don't need them to do it but there's something about the act of walking forward and saying that's what i did and someone praying with you and having that man that security is so incredible guys it's real look at me look at my face this is real if you knew me before it makes no sense this is real and the world's going to tell you it's not and your mind's thinking of all the reasons it isn't you know what my mind thought i don't want to look stupid i don't want to stand up and walk up to people And I'm going to tell you, you've heard me before if you're at the room, what someone whispered in my ear, I promise you, I'm going to whisper it back to you. You don't have to be afraid. And if you're in the room and you're a believer but you haven't been following, it's an opportunity to repent. All that means is saying, God, like he did, me and him, where God's saying, Jesus saying, hey, this way. And we go, you're right, I'm sorry, and we follow. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, guys, you're choosing to.